that was pretty good worship. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> so for those online, um, today um, I'm just going to present myself. My name is Erica Lavalley, and I'm part of the teaching team, uh, Living Hope Church. Sorry, Living Hope Church te uh, teaching team. And today we are starting a new series. But before we start, we're just going to take a moment to pray. Just going to invite God in. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you, God, for your presence. I want to thank you for simply who you are, and all glory and praise belongs to you. This morning, we invite you in. We ask that you would speak to your people today, Lord Jesus. I'm just a vessel, and I pray, God, that you would just illuminate the minds and the hearts to receive what you want to speak specifically to each and every individual here today, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we invite you in. And we pray, O oh God, that your name would be lifted up, glorified today, Lord Jesus. And uh, we just pray you would touch this word, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're starting a new series called Stand Fearless. And so I'm starting it today. And then the other members of the teaching team will be continuing on in the next following weeks. So in this series, we're talking about what it is, what does it take to stand fearless? Because we live in a society and we hear this word often, fear-mongering, you know, we, the, the news really incite fear. And when you think about the Bible and how many times it's very frequent and actually quite common to see pass in passages words that say, fear not, do not be afraid. Because God knew that it was something that the human uh, condition would experience on a regular basis. It is one of our greatest enemies, actually, is fear. Because if we give in to fear, it immobilizes us, causes us to not consider others, but consider only ourselves in self-preservation. And so in the next weeks, we're going to be uh, just talking about the different topics. And so this week, we're talking about faith. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means uh, to stand fearless. Uh, in order to do so, we need to know God's sovereignty. We need to keep the right focus. We need to lean on God and set your camp on the right side. Because we can often set our camps on the wrong side and they experience uh, the consequences of that. So today we're talking about faith. Well, faith is a common subject. It seems like well, we should pretty much know what faith is. But sometimes we have misconceptions about what faith is and what it is not. So what is faith? Well, Hebrews 11, ch uh, chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So that's faith. And so often people will misunderstand the scripture and think that it means, you know, blind faith or wishful thinking. Or if I just kind of bring it into existence, kind of the other manifesting kind of term that seems to be popular in today's culture. But that's not what faith is. And sometimes we can have faith in faith. You know, oh, well, I will just believe that it will happen and it will just kind of magically appear. That's not what faith is. So I'm going to break down what faith really is. But to illustrate this story, I just uh, this uh, topic, I just wanted to tell a little story. So there was a passenger in a taxi who leaned over to the driver to ask him a question, and he gently tapped him on the shoulder to get his attention. The driver screamed and lost control of the vehicle, uh, nearly hit a bus, drove over the, the curb and stopped just inches from a large plane window. For a few moments, everything was silent in the cab. 
Then the shaking driver said, are you okay? I'm so sorry, but, uh, sorry, uh, excuse me. <laughs> the, uh, so he asked if he was okay, and he says, I'm sorry, I'm going to backtrack. My brain is not working. Let me start that again. So for a few moments, everything was silent in the cab. Then the shaking driver asked the passenger, are you okay? I'm so sorry, but you scared the, day the daylights out of me. The badly shaken passenger apologized to the driver and said, I didn't realize that a mere tap on the shoulder would startle you so badly. And the driver replies, says, no, no, uh, this one's my bad. He says, uh, this is my very first day driving a cab. He says, I've been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. <laughs> so you can imagine that, you know, if he had been driving a a hearse and someone would have tapped, there would have been a cause to freak out, right? To be fearful. But it's not what his new circumstance was. But often that's what it is with us in fear. You know, in order for us to stand fearless, we need to know what our new set of circumstances are. We're no longer carrying death in our back seat. We are now carrying life. We have Jesus with us, indwelling in us and with us who accompanies us. You know, in the hearse, the dead person never told him where to go and what to do. But, you know, we have a hard time sometimes with that. Now life abides within us, but we have a hard time letting that very life speak in direction and vision into our lives. We have a hard time with the instruction. You know, taxi driver now, he's receiving instruction from the backseat. He was not receiving instruction from the hearse, <laughs> the person in the back of the hearse. But we, we have that opportunity, but often we will ignore the voice. And, you know, not, we forget that Jesus is with us, that he is now present with us. So fear actually will base itself on our experiences and our perceptions. But faith is not... A blind belief it is based on facts okay you're like okay Erica, what facts are those well it's based on three facts actually faith is not based on just some imaginary concept it is based on a person and that person is Jesus so we can trust God we can have faith because trust is if faith is trust and we can have faith in God because of who he is because of what God says if you can go to the next slide please and what God does. That's how we can stand fearless. In the midst of our situation, in the midst of our emotions, in the midst of what we're experiencing, we can have faith because of who God is, because of what God says, and because of what God does. It's not just some happenstance where I say, well, I'll just have faith and just kind of conjure up this kind of imaginary feeling of just confidence. That's not what faith is. Faith is really relying on the one who is reliable. Corey Ten Boom said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future into a known God. I'll repeat that again. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We don't know what the future is. And that's often what fear will come to grip our hearts with. We don't know what the outcome of a situation will be. That will cause us fear. But we can trust it in a known God. And I was listening to this, um, this Bible study from the, the, not the Gospel Project, but the Bible Project. There's such a great um, study tool. And they have really uh, vivid and very ex things that explain just things clearly. And they were talking, the one I was studying was talking about the character of God. I found that was kind of appropriate since we're talking about uh, standing fearless this week. 
And he talked about this one verse in Exodus 34, verses 6. If you have your Bible or devices, you can go there with me today. So Exodus 34, verse 6. It's important for us to know who the God in whom we have faith. You know, when I was younger, you know, I could pretty much predict what my mom was going to do discipline-wise because she she always held to her word. So she was very trustworthy in that. So she was very reliable. I had faith in the sense that if I did such and such a thing, I would get such and such a consequence. It was very reliable. But with God, it is the same thing. God is never changing. He's always, he does the same thing. He's very consistent in his character. And that's why it's important for us to know his character. And how do we know his character? Through his word. Exodus 34, verses 6, it talks about Moses who has this encounter with God and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And when you look at the word faithfulness, the Hebrew word is emet. It's where we get our word amen. Amen means that's truth. And when you look at the definition of, it, of that, that Hebrew word, it means firmness, faithfulness, truth, assuredness, real, uh, reliability, stability, continuance, faithfulness, and reliability. Well, I can't say that word today. Thank you for whoever said it. <laughs> he is reliable. That is the one thing. So when fear grips my heart, I have to remember that, wait a minute, my God is reliable. I don't have to trust in myself. I can trust in God. I don't have to feel at the mercy of my circumstances because God is faithful. That is the fact that I lean upon because I know this to be true. So fear actually always puts into question God's character. Always does that. Puts in question the character of God. Fear asks the question, can, I, can you really trust God? Is God really trustworthy? Faith answers the question with, yes, he is. And so we let, we let faith, we let the character of God, who is God, the facts uh, according to God, determine our response to fear. Watchman Nee says, faith looks not at what happens to him, but at him whom he believes. So we're not looking to what's happening to us. We're looking to whom we believe in and that he is faithful. And you know what? What's really great about God is the next scripture in 2 Timothy verses 2, 13. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot disown or deny himself. And so we can trust that. Even if we're not having faith, his, his faithfulness is not dependent on our faithfulness. His faithfulness is not dependent on our amount of faith or trust in him. His character doesn't change because our feelings do. He stays the same, and we can trust in that. And so sometimes you might say, well, you know, Erica, I've, you know, I've prayed and I've asked God to help me in this. And why hasn't he not? Well, you know what? Sometimes we'll ask God to intervene in our matter, but we make the decisions. We're still, we're, we ask, please help me, but I will ignore your advice. Or I won't listen for your advice on this matter. And then we're like, why am I still in a pickle? 
God is there. He wants to be that, that back, you know, well, not the backseat driver, but he wants to tell you to give you direction like that passenger in the backseat of the taxi. He wants to give you vision, direction, assurance, confidence. He wants to give you the instructions to follow. But we can say, please tell me where to go and then not listen. And then we wonder why we're still experiencing the same struggles. He hasn't changed. He hasn't moved. But God is not going to impose himself and his will on ours. That's part of his character and his faithfulness. God is not a dictator. But he does long for you to hear his voice. And he wants to speak. And sometimes, un unfortunately, one of our greatest lies that we believe is that we, we will not be able to hear God's voice. But God says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so we can depend on that. So secondly, so first we can depend on who he is. Secondly, we can depend, the facts that we can depend on is what he says. So our faith stands on the fact of his word, and I can stand fearless because God is reliable and his word is reliable. When fear comes into play, I can stand fearless when I am reminded of God's word. In Numbers 23, verses 19, it says, God is not a human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does, this, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So we know that we can trust his word. When God says something, he will do it. And that is one of the facts that we can stand on. When I am experiencing fear, and there are certain specific scriptures that I fight off the fear with, that I go back to my drawing board of facts. I always go back to the facts of like, no, wait, God is for me. He's not against me. I go back to his character and I go back to the words that I depend on to fight off the fear. And there's a few examples that I use on my everyday, but there's so many scriptures that we can, that are just the, the very known scriptures that we can rely on. This, the, the, one of them is Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to these things? How do I respond to this? To what's happening to me? If God is for us, who can be against us? Jeremiah 29, 11, I use that often to fight off what the enemy, what when fear wants to tell me, oh, well, can you trust God? Yes, I can, because for Jesus, God said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So when my negative thought pattern goes to uh, imagining the worst case scenario, which, you know, a lot of us <laughs> kind of go there instinctively, instinctively as a protective mechanism, which kind of makes things worse for us, then I fight this off with, I stand fearless because of this, this scripture. No, wait a minute. I know that God has good plans for me. I don't have to worry about my future because God has good plans for me. And then lastly, the last fact is what he does. So we can depend on who he is, what he says because his word is reliable, and his word is reliable because of what he does. Joshua 21:45 says, and this is in this what's if I kind of give you the context of that scripture, Joshua was a warrior. He brought the people of Israel into the land of Canaan. They got a, they won a lot of territory. They're establishing themselves and now he's coming to the, the last leg of his life. And he wants the people to remember to have faith based on what God has done. And he says, 
Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. He wants them to remember, you know what? Remember what God promised? Did he not do it? And whenever you're facing your enemies, whenever you're facing fear, whenever you never, you're not wanting to move forward, whenever you feel just that oppression, just want you to just kind of like close the whole world out. And because I know I like to do the ostrich whenever I'm afraid. He needed to remind the people saying, remember, has God not yet been faithful to you? Remember what he has done for you. Those are the facts you can go back to. That's your standing ground to confront your fears. And Joshua 23, 14 says, Now I am, at, I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all of your heart and soul that not one of, the, uh, of all the good promises of the Lord your God gave uh, to you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled and not one has failed. So he's asking us to confront the fears with facts. Now, I want to say something that is key here. So your faith will either challenge your fear or your fear will challenge your faith. And the decisions you make, tell me which one has won. Our fears need to be challenged. Our thought processes, our opinions of life, our perspectives, our perceptions, they need to be confronted. And you know, the question is, do you challenge your thoughts? Do you challenge your preconceived ideas? Do you challenge your fears? Or do you let them have your own, their own way? Because, you know, at salvation, there wasn't like this delete button that just deleted all of, all of our life experiences, all of our mindsets, all of our thought patterns, all of our ways of doing life. That didn't just delete that. All of those things still need to be confronted. And when you experience difficulties, when you're experiencing fearful events in your life, this is God's invitation because he's bringing it up to the serpent saying, this area needs to be confronted because I want your freedom. I want you to be free to experience life and to see life as it truly is. But often we will say, well, you know what? No, I just need to make the responsible decision. I just need to know, well, you know, all of this has happened. So it has always happened this way. So I still need to do it this way. Sure, you can keep doing that. But what has it brought you in your life? What are you experiencing in that moment? Are you experiencing joy? Are you experiencing peace? You don't know what this person has always done to me. So I'm just going to shut that one off, that out of my life. But what does the word say? What does God say? Who is God for you in that moment? Has it been, as the moment we start losing peace, the moment we start taking up offense, we have put up the, those, those barriers and we're responding as though we're still driving a hearse. But you're not driving the hearse anymore. You have life within you. Jesus is for you. You don't have to respond to protect yourself. Jesus is your protector. You don't need to fight away and overwork to provide in, when God has never called you to do that. He's never called you to worry because Jesus is your provider. 
because of who God is, that is what breaks down and confronts the fears. And that's what enables us to stand fearless. Let me tell you that throughout this pandemic and all that, that let me tell you, that exposed a lot of my fears. And God had to confront a lot of them. I was walking in so much fear, so much intimidation. But every time God would bring those moments up, I had a choice. Do, well, okay, well, here are all the facts. Here are all the, the, the opinions and the facts that I see in front of me. And God's saying, that's what you're seeing. But I want you to go towards something you do not see because I want you to trust on my character. Who am I in all of this for you, Erica? Have I not been there for you? Will I not provide you or are you going to protect yourself? But what does that give me? I just continue living in that fear. God wanted me to have peace, confidence, rest, assurance. That is what God wants for us. And that's why Romans 12 verses 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. But you know, we do need to, to put into question, especially our opinions about circumstances, our opinions about how we do relationships with others, our opinions about life and our circumstances. These things need to be confronted And often, so often, we're not aware of what those faulty opinions that we have, those false perceptions. That is why we need the body of Christ. I needed people to bring confrontation to my darkness. But if you're doing life all by yourself and you don't have people, voices that God has placed there in your life to speak into your life, if you're saying no to those voices, no, I don't agree with what you're saying. No, I don't agree with what you're saying. No, I don't agree. God has put people in your life for a reason. He's put your the body of Christ. You know, it's easy to go to voices who will just kind of, you know, affirm what we're feeling. It's not fun to hear voices saying, mm, like, why are you responding that way? Does this reflect Christ? And so we need that confrontation. We need friends who will confront our darkness. And God is calling us to agree with him. But that takes submission. See, the hearse driver didn't have to submit to whoever was dead in the, in the hearse. But he did have to submit now to the new passenger in his vehicle. Jesus is that new passenger in your life. But are you willing to hear his instructions? to confront. That means that we bring all things, you know, uh, to Jesus. We consider him in all things, especially when all of a sudden we lose peace over circumstance and situation. And that's how we stand firm. And it's a fight. It is a fight. It's not an easy, oh, like this is going to go easy. No, these are set patterns that you've experienced. For, and the older you are, the harder it is, the more set. But nothing is impossible to Jesus because Jesus is the one who breaks the power of sin and death in our life, right? And so because of those set patterns sometimes, man, it's just like, well, I've always lived this my whole life. But it is a fight. 
standing fearless it's not like in the lazy boy you know <laughs> resting you know against fear no you don't it's a fight it is a fight it means it's going to be uncomfortable first timothy uh, 6 12 says fight the good fight of faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good con your good confession in the presence of many witnesses he's saying it's going to be a fight but i want you to fight that good fight and as it's amazing because as we start confronting that those fears then we have more history to draw from with jesus it's like all of our relationships, really. The longer we know someone, the more history we have to draw from. Max Lucado says, says, the presence of fear does not mean you have no faith. We are going to experience fear. He says, though, fear visits everyone, but, you make, but make your fear a visitor, not a resident. And so we want it to be, you know, it'll come. It's not sin to have fear. It is sin whenever we start bowing down to that fear, however. And so standing fearless means we are willing to challenge uh, the ways we have thought our whole life about something. Hebrews 11, uh, 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must what? believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly earnestly seek him when you come to god he doesn't does he come with punishment no he comes with his blessing and his provision second timothy 1 7 says for the spirit of god the spirit god gave us uh, does not make us timid but gives us power love and self-discipline now there's times where i'm experiencing that you, know, you ever have those thoughts you're like well this person did this to me and and or we have a negative thought pattern that comes in the moment i'm starting to recognize now that when those thoughts come in i'm like mm, wait does this thought come from god or from somewhere else that's when i know that it needs to be confronted what's the outcome of that thought I need to go back to the drawing board of my facts of faith in order to fight it off. Because I'm like, wait, no, that's not what God has given me. He's not giving me a spirit of resentment. Mm -mm. He's not giving me a spirit of fear. Mm -mm. He's not giving me a spirit of, of anger. He's not giving me those things, bitterness, whichever, or pride or arrogance. God has not given me those things. So I go back to the drawing board of faith. He's given me a spirit of uh to love of power and self-discipline and we can know also in first john what do we depend on really we go back to who god is and his love for us you know first john uh, 4 18 says there is no fear in love but perfect love do we have perfect love no jesus's perfect love drives out fear we have to go back to his love because it is that that will push back his faithfulness, his goodness, his benevolence towards us. Because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears has not been made perfect in love. That means that we haven't recognized his true love for us. And God's love, there's no love that is greater. And on that subject, you know, we can only become emet 
faithful to others when we are dependent on the faithful one. Fear will cause you to be unfaithful towards others. Will put into question your integrity, actually, because when we start to self-preserve, do we care for others in that, that place? When we start making decisions based on our fear, everyone else is shot out the window. And God wants to fill us with his love so that we can love and touch other people's lives. And so Jesus loves you. He cares for you. And he wants the best for you even when you don't even want it for yourself. And on that note, I just wanted to finish today. I know it's not a very long uh, a sermon today, but I wanted just to finish off on, for those who don't know Jesus, who've never entered into relationship with, with him, it's not complicated. It's as easy as ABC, actually. We admit that we are sinners. We admit that our opinions, that our ways are wrong. That's sin, actually. We'll just call it for what it is. That's what sin is. And we admit that we have made mistakes. Secondly, we confess that we believe. We believe that Jesus is the only Son of God and that he chose to die on the cross for you to pay for our sins so that we can enter into relationship with him. And thirdly, we commit, a C is that we commit uh, ourselves to a life of following Jesus. And we're saying, Jesus, you're the one. I want you to be the, the passenger who tells me what to do. It's not easy, but it is the most rewarding, the best life you can have because that's what we were created to be. And Jesus is, is pretty awesome. And so I hope this encourages you. I know that we've been experiencing a lot of fear. And I want to encourage you to base your decisions and you, everything gets filtered through faith, the facts about God. And not our feeling, because we're it's a we're a feeling-driven society, and God has called us to so much more. He wants us to. He's called us to not be paralyzed, but to be overcomers, and to be difference makers in the process as well. So we're just going to take a moment just to to pray, and uh, and then I'll invite the uh, worship team to come up, and just so that you can take that time just to bring to God all of those things that have been left unchallenged, unchecked. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. We want to thank you for your goodness. God, it is on you that we depend, Lord, today. And I pray that in the, the weeks, the months to follow, God, that Holy Spirit come and expose the areas where we have let fear be the driver in our seat. And we pray, oh God, that you would become Lord. You would become that driver. You would be the one that gives us instructions and that we would listen and hear and submit to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Your kindness leads me to repent. 
Lord, we want to thank you for today's service, Lord. And we just pray that you would be with us, Lord, today. And uh, that your word, oh God, would just have a change, Lord God, in our hearts. That it wouldn't go void today, Lord. And so we pray your blessing. and your